I'm R.J. Bell with the sports betting headlines for Thursday. Game two, NBA Finals, Phoenix now favored by four and a half. That's down as we predicted from five and a half. And this is obviously in Phoenix and the current line, Phoenix by four and a half. If we look at the series price unchanged from yesterday, Phoenix is minus 325, which equates to a 75% chance Phoenix will win the title. TV ratings. How did game one do? Not so good up from last year. But if you look at the ratings this year for game one, about half the viewership of three years ago. Viewership cut in half. Here comes a four-hour of the Vegas truth covering all that and more. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. 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 This is Straight Out of Vegas. With the voice of Vegas, your host, R.J. Bell. The pregame show America has always wanted. I doubt the future. I doubt the future. From the Vegas Strip, here's R.J. Bell. You heard it. I'm R.J. Live in Las Vegas, live on a Thursday, live on 225 FSR stations across this great, great nation. We got game two tonight. And we might have a little surprise because Mackenzie Rivers, pregame.com, in his prep notes, he says, I got a prop I like in this game. Well, you know something? I kind of like the other side of this prop. So bottom of the hour, we're going to let him have a chance to bet me heads up. Now, we all know the odds are he's going to back out. Be like, oh, you know, you make a good case. (laughs) We'll see, though. We'll do that bottom of the hour. Sports bettors listen for the money. Sports fans listen to no more than their buddies. I'm the pro. He's the Joe in L.A., Jonas Knox. Always good to be here, RJ. And yes, on a day in which we've got game two of the NBA Finals coming up later on. We've also got some NFL storylines that are popping up with training camp fast approaching. What is the Vegas lead here on this Thursday? I think when there's such a big game as tonight, we do a market recap, a market kind of check-in because we spent a lot of time Yesterday, talking about the price in game two seemed wrong. We made a bet at the end of the show, and now the market's adjusted in the direction we thought. I think we start there. Yeah, and it is game two of the NBA Finals coming up later on tonight, 9 p.m. Eastern time. It's the Bucks at the Suns in Phoenix, where the Suns have a one nothing series lead. And right now on pregame.com, Phoenix is also a four-and-a-half-point favorite. Okay, so yesterday it was five-and-a-half. We got our Milwaukee bet, full best bet in at five-and-a-half. Now listen, lines move randomly, or they don't move randomly, but there can be mysterious reasons why a line will move. So it's not like every time the line moves in your favor, you should celebrate. But it was really one of the rare times that we just kept saying again and again, this doesn't make sense that, you know, we were flummoxed by the line. And usually that means either there's information that you don't know. And once it's revealed and it's information, other people do know the line's going to make sense. Or it's the line's wrong and people are going to realize it sooner rather than later and the line's going to move. So I think it's very instructional to kind of explain you know, what we saw yesterday and, and how it's adjusted. And, and what we saw yesterday was pretty simple, was that after game one, 
Giannis's projected contribution for game two was as high as you could have hoped it to be at any point in the series, really. Let's not forget, before game one, there was people still thinking, I don't think Giannis... In fact, McKenzie, now that I think about it, I don't want to try to shake you from your confidence here, but it was just yesterday before the show, you said... I don't believe Giannis will contribute in a material way to any game in this series. Do you do you recall that? Well, it wasn't yesterday because that was before Game One, but it was oh, the day of Oh, I'm sorry. I'm game sorry. You're one. right. It was it was two days ago. Go ahead. Yes, I said more than once on air, off air. By my reading of the market, I don't think Giannis is going to play in the first three games. That's what I said. Well, you said more than that. You said you don't think that he's going to contribute in a material way to any of the games because you said True. this is the kind of injury that's just going to linger. Blah blah blah. Okay. That wasn't crazy to think that, though in hindsight it was playing wrong. It wasn't <laughs> crazy. It was a reasonable take that meant there was uncertainty all the way up to is he going to contribute in any material way. Now, after game one, Jonas, and you affirmed my thoughts on this all day yesterday, it's, it's pretty realistic to say he's going to be close to full go in game two. And if not, then soon enough. And you know what? Even if not 100%, at 90-plus, he's going to be a key contributor. Nothing I've seen since pushes me off that. Uh, you in agreement there? Yeah, no, totally agree. And look, he played 35 minutes. Not like they just threw him out there for yep. 20 minutes and said, you know, go get the rust off. He played 35 minutes. They depended on him at certain points. I mean, I think you got to come away feeling pretty good about him if you're a Bucks fan. So just like in Hold'em, where you get your two cards and you have to bet at that stage, knowing what you know, then here comes... The cards come out on the flop, and now there's three more cards out there, and now you've got to act accordingly. And the classic example, you got queens. Pre-flop, eh, odds are quite good, unless there's a bunch of raisin, that you got the best hand. If the flop comes 2-7 uh, jack, you're feeling pretty darn good. If it comes ace-king-10, eh, you've got an inside straight draw, but you're not feeling as good. Now, we knew what we knew before game one. After game one, let's call that the flop, we know more. Now, what we know for the series is, hey, Phoenix has to only win three more games. Milwaukee's got to win four. That's the mathematics of the price adjust. But then there's the, well, what new information, what reevaluation should we have based on that new information? Usually that's going to be very modest. And that's kind of a trick to think about which is, uh, there's always, it's not like in football. People find it absurd that a team will be, let's say, a seven-point underdog in a football game. That underdog will win the game. And then I'll be asked, well, what would the line be if they replayed this game in a week? And I say, seven, maybe six and a half. And, you know, seven's going to be unusual. It's usually going to be, in general, a half a point adjustment to the favor of the winning team and a half a point downgrade to the losing team. Now, that is the default, meaning that if, if you just asked me randomly what would I think the change is going to be, I'd say winning team up a half, losing team down a half. But there's times you can upgrade the losing team. I mean, you can, it's just if there's a bunch of turnovers, randomness, bad luck, etc. In basketball, when you see a team win by 30, you think, well, they've proven they're the best team. Except how many times do you see that other team win by 30, or maybe not 30, but 
win easily the next game. So any one game doesn't tell you much when we're, what, almost 90 games into the season about how good a team is. But with an injury, the one game can tell you a lot because we hadn't seen Giannis on the court since he got injured. So that was all new information. And as we just said, it caused a serious reevaluation to Giannis's contribution. Okay, we're straight out of Vegas. So if we assume that Giannis is almost 100%, the question is, what would have the line have been in this game uh, or in the series, let's say, with 100% Giannis? Now, what we know is that that bet was offered before the injury. At the Westgate here in Vegas, you could have bet Milwaukee versus Phoenix. The understanding at the time was, correctly so, that Phoenix would be home court, you know, get four home games out of seven. And thus, that line is super applicable other than the Giannis injury. But now we're saying the Giannis injury is kind of done. It's like we're close to 100%. So we can go back to that minus 150, which was Milwaukee favored. So typical home court advantage Let's downgrade it a little bit because there's still some lingering effects, I think, with the pandemic where the crowds aren't quite the same. But let's say minus 150 for the home team if the teams are even. So Phoenix, if these were even teams, would have been minus 150. But the fact of the matter is that Milwaukee was minus 150, which is effectively a a hundred cents difference because minus 150 goes to plus 100, plus 100 goes to minus 150 the other way. So a hundred cents. Wow, 100 cents better for Milwaukee given the givens of today, which is these two teams with a 100% Giannis or nearly 100%. So I, that is what led me to say, well, wait a minute. Why in the heck would the line be five and a half? And there were other things, and that was in game two, Phoenix favored by five and a half. And at the time, there were other things that pointed in the direction of Milwaukee. Things like the zigzag theory, which is the team that loses tends to bounce back or at least do better the next game. But even forgetting that, if you have the better team, which 100 cents better is unequivocally better. It's not even close. Because if this line were, if Milwaukee had home court and they're 100 cents better, it means they would have been minus 250, right? Their home court minus 150 plus another 100 cents. So this is clearly better. And there was nothing in game one that really told you that, oh, we got to reevaluate. Phoenix is just way, way better. Now, maybe, and McKenzie brought this up, and I think it has some validity, the the matchup advantage on the pick and roll and Milwaukee struggling with that, maybe you could make the case that was reaffirmed in game one, and that's meaningful. But, you know, maybe that's 20 cents. That's not going to be huge. So for us, we felt like the line should come down. We gave the best bet. The line's come down to four and a half. Let me make the following case. Four and a half assumes that Phoenix is the better team. Right? If, if home court's three and a team is favored by four and a half, it means they're one and a half points better than the home court advantage. Jonas, aren't we back to the same question, which is if before the series Milwaukee was 100 cents better, that's what the betting market thought. Yeah. All right. And now we're in a situation which is very similar to what we assumed before the series, which was Phoenix is Phoenix, uh, Milwaukee's Milwaukee with a healthy Giannis. Let's just say, for the sake of argument, that we say Giannis being hobbled is worth, uh, you know, 30 cents. And let's say we learned about 20 cents worth of an advantage 
to Phoenix because of the matchup. The numbers don't really matter. Let's just say a modest amount of money. We still are Milwaukee's better just by a lesser amount. That means this line should be maybe two, maybe yeah. one and a half. What, I'm going to ask the same question. What is going on? I don't know. And I also was thinking about this. I believe Milwaukee's probably the healthiest team Phoenix has played all postseason. Even even with Giannis, as of now for sure, yeah. Even with Giannis coming back and and maybe not being close to one hundred percent after what I saw game one, they're by far and away the healthiest team they've played. Because remember, they opened up with the Lakers. LeBron didn't look one hundred percent. Anthony Davis definitely wasn't one hundred percent and missed time. Then they had Jamal Murray less Denver, who was worn mm-hmm. out and completely grinded down to the nub because they were one of the final four teams in the bubble, so they were banged up. And then you had no Kawhi for the Clippers, and they dealt with injuries all. Also later in the series, I think by far and away healthiest team they've played yet for whatever reason, people are, are, are I don't know if they're just dismissing what they saw in game one, but it, it, it doesn't add up to me. But if anything, what they saw in game one is driving their love of Phoenix. They're not dismissing it. They're assessing it where it was. Hey, we like Phoenix more. The line made set when Giannis was out. The line made perfect sense. Agreed. Because Giannis and, and Fezzik and I debate this. He was saying upwards of seven points. Uh, you know, Mackenzie, I would, I think we would agree that when we figured out the math before the series and had Giannis at five, all the all the math actually uh, reconciled like almost perfectly. Would you agree with that? Yes, Fez had 73.8%. My numbers came out to 73.7. But Fez almost was doing perfect. it based upon my five-point number, not his seven. Exactly right. Yes. Yeah. So what I'm saying is you two did it two different ways and it came out to be identical, which matched the market. So it was perfect, but it was based on a five point value. So let's call Giannis worth five. The reasonable people can disagree, which means if um, Milwaukee would be favored by five with Giannis, they'd be picking without him. Right. Five point adjustment. So the line before the rumors and the change to questionable and all that, Mackenzie, the line in game one when Giannis was doubtful was... Suns by five and a half. Okay, which means the game would be about pick them, or let's call it even minus one for the Suns with Giannis. Yes. Except built into the five and a half, you could make the case with some chance that Giannis was going to play in game one. Though the fact is, the fact the market yawned when he went to questionable tells me that what was built in there wasn't much because even when he went to questionable, they didn't think he was going to be able to contribute. So I would make the case that that five and a half pretty much assumed no contribution from Giannis, and you can adjust the whole five to say that's the Giannis factor. You agree? I would I would definitely agree with that. Saturday night, I was talking to Bernie Fredo, and I was talking as if he was not playing. He was doubtful. Statistically, when someone's doubtful, it's like 15% that they'll play. So and usually if they play... If they play, it doesn't really, they don't contribute much anyway, more than the backup would. Right, and we saw right. the Anthony Davis scenario earlier. These yeah, so, so let's agree that the line would be Phoenix by one if you adjust from game one. You know what? That line actually makes a ton of sense. Phoenix by one at home would say Milwaukee is clearly better, but, but not by a ton by two points because it would be three. Home court advantage, if they're even teams, you go to one. Well, minus 150 compared to the 150 the other way is about that. So everything would make a ton of sense. Game one line would have made sense. The adjustment to game two would have made sense. It all would have made sense. There's a disconnect going on, and that disconnect is Giannis coming back was considered mostly meaningless 
And how that could be makes no sense because Giannis on Milwaukee is the better team. The market believes that. And thus, even though you'd be getting the number late, and that is the danger of not listening every day in real time, (laughs) I think there's still value on Milwaukee here. And this is a rare example where the marketplace is just incongruent. It just is irrational, especially when there's two markets saying two different things. Because the last point I'll make in this segment is when we looked at the adjustment after game one, we expected there to be about double the adjustment in the favor of Phoenix after they won the game. That's the simple mathematics of it for the series. But the adjustment was only half. And I said, makes sense because they had to reevaluate the odds of the future games because Giannis is back and thus the odds are different than we thought because we weren't sure how much he would contribute. It made sense, but they haven't readjusted it for game two. That makes no sense. All right, let's take our first break. When we come back, I'm going to tell you why Phoenix's win in game one, you could almost dismiss it. You could say, of course they won because of these things which makes Milwaukee look even better. What are those factors that made Phoenix not a sure winner, but, man, an easy winner in Game 1? He's R.J. Bell. I'm Jonas Knox. This is the pregame show you've always wanted right here on Fox Sports Radio. Straight out of Vegas! Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. I'm R.J. Bell. We are straight out of Vegas. And I'm Jonas Knox, voice of you, the fan. Coming up here in just a couple of moments, we will continue to take a closer look at Game 2 of the NBA Finals. In like five or six minutes, McKenzie versus R.J. (laughs) I'm feeling pretty good about this one. I'm feeling pretty good. He's got a prop he likes. Oh, did he miss something? I mean, it's... You ever... Jonas, you ever like look through a drawer, look in the fridge, and you're looking for the jam, and you can't find it? Then you go back, and it's right in front of your face. It's gonna be, <laughs> yeah. it's gonna be like, oh yeah, good point. <laughs> it's a good day to join us. This is the fastest growing show on Fox Sports Radio. Audiences doubled. Why? In the last year plus, why? Because of you spreading the word. Keep it up. We'll keep delivering a great show, a good show, a valuable show. Some would say you can listen on 225 stations coast to coast. Just go to foxsportsradio.com if you don't know your station. Right here in Vegas, on the Strip, 114 degrees. The neon is boiling. So, RJ, a Game 2 of the NBA Finals is coming up later on tonight. Phoenix has a one nothing series lead. It will be in the desert. I don't know if it's as hot as it is in Vegas, but right now the Suns are a four-and-a-half point favorite on pregame.com. You make an interesting point. And this is impromptu, but let me ask you, and don't dismiss it, Jonas, right away with, oh, ha, ha. does being in Phoenix for two days in this weather, because Phoenix is comparable. Mackenzie, look up Phoenix's high today. Does that hurt Milwaukee? They're not used to it. They're going from the hotel to the whatever. I mean, I know they're not living outside, but I'm telling you something. You go out in 115 degree heat, you're not used to it for 10 minutes. It drains you. 111 was the high today in Phoenix. I mean, that feel, it's unusual to have that, those kind of extreme temperatures and and cold stinks, but it doesn't drain you, right? You're just happy to, you go out in that heat for a little while. Sometimes people got to sit down for about 40. I'm personally, I like to drink a few lemonades. I mean, 
I think it's a small factor. What do you think? I, I actually think that it would be a bigger deal for Phoenix heading to Milwaukee because they're going to have to deal with humidity that they don't have to deal with in Phoenix. Oh, see, and, you, you believe in that dry heat crap. I, well, can, <laughs> I, I can promise you something. I've been in Vegas for 20-plus years now, right? When I go to Miami or something, and they're, they're telling me it's like 92, but they're going, <laughs> oh, it's, just, it's so – I'm like, it's – freaking cold here like it's like i'm not even touched by that <laughs> so uh, you're in lala you really believe in that no i think uh, it's not as big of an effect like in the nfl because you're playing outdoors yeah, you yeah. see teams early in the season in miami jacksonville uh tampa struggle with it so i, I don't think it'll have as big of an effect but i do think if there was going to be one side that would have an advantage over the other it would be milwaukee hosting Phoenix. what's the hottest that you've ever what's the hottest temperature you've ever personally experienced Oh Jesus! Have you? I mean, have um, you ever been above one ten? Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, in in Vegas last year, out here in Southern California, there were a couple of days that got up to one thirteen. So I so think. LA gets to one thirteen. It last year it was a crazy heat wave for a okay. couple of days. Yeah, it got really bad. Oh, really I never bad. knew that. Okay, yeah. so you understand? I mean, and the, and and listen, everyone always hears the dry heat stuff. I will say this: there is something that's hellish about it being over one hundred and ten, like for a month straight. Yeah. Because you could take it a day or two, but when it's like the 25th straight day that you can't go outside without like cringing, <laughs> you know, thank God for air conditioning. I will say that. So <laughs> shifting gears and talking about, you know, if we're going to dismiss and say, well, they should have won or they could have won or it was easy to win. If you wanted to build a case for Milwaukee, check this out when it comes to Phoenix's game one victory. And we talked about this before the game, which is. In the last 15 first games of the title round, so championship round, finals as they call it in the NBA, last 15 times it's happened, and we are discounting last year because last year was in the bubble. There was no real home team. The home team in those games are 14-1 and one, straight up. 13 and 2 against the spread. That's now updated with a Phoenix win straight up and a cover. And the cover margin is over six points. So that's saying history tells us it is you gotta be a strange, strange home team to lose that first game. Why? It doesn't even matter. We can sit and think about it, but okay, it happens. And by the way, Milwaukee, they have one real weak spot recently, game one. Last six now in a row series, they've began with an ATS loss. So Vegas said this is what we expect to happen. And six straight times, every series the last two years for Milwaukee has begun with them falling short of expectations. Boy, that's two big unrelated, unrelated trends that saying Phoenix should have won. The fact that Phoenix won, but you could make the case that you know, what was it, down to seven, not that, you know, kind of late? I mean, listen, they won clean, but it wasn't some crushing game. It was a nice win. So it strikes me that that if you want to make the Milwaukee case, there's the, the zigzag bounce back we can talk about. We can talk about all the uncertainty around Giannis in game one was a distraction that we, would ever happen coming up the hour before the game if he went or didn't go, that it was going to be 
um, distracting because the team didn't know how to mentally get ready for with Giannis without. You could also make the case that Giannis faded a little in the second half, which makes some sense if he's out of basketball shape after the week, if he's less than 100%. All that should improve. There's none of the game one impediments now, and there's none of those other factors. It seems like in general... Milwaukee's in a better spot than they would have been in game or they were in game one. Do you see it that way, Jones? Yeah, I totally agree. Um, last week, I my big con- I had two concerns. One, how's Giannis going to look? And two, if he re-injures himself because they feel like this is an opportunity to steal one, then they're really compromised the rest of the series. Well, both were answered because he didn't re-injure himself and he looked better than expected, which is why I came away from that game. If you're Phoenix, you got the win, and that's most important. But I, I think it was a win-win in, in, in some regard for both teams. Except what we're seeing here, and I think the key question we addressed in the first se- segment is, why before this series started was it a clear assumption that Milwaukee was the better team with a healthy Giannis? And you could bet it under that assumption, clearly. And now line in game two with the assumption that Giannis is back and healthy – is making Phoenix clearly the better team because as even a four-and-a-half-point favorite, home court's only three. That is incongruent to me, and I don't fully understand why it's happening. And that incongruence, that irrationality, that disconnect, whatever you want to call it, applies to the series price. McKenzie did some good work on this, and I'm getting him all ready for this head-to-head we're doing in a second, (laughs) is if these were even teams, six games left, Phoenix having won the first game is what would the odds be for the series? And this is a mathematical issue. And the odds would be what if these were considered even teams, McKenzie? With the Suns having a 1-0 lead, it'd be about Suns minus 220. All right, so 220 to win 100. The current market price is? Suns minus 325. There you go. So the distance from 220 to 325 the distance from a home court advantage of three in game two to four and a half is saying Phoenix now magically is the better team. I don't understand it. That is about as rational as McKenzie's prop bet. So (laughs) (laughs) I don't think you've got the setup, Jonas, is he likes Brooke Lopez on a prop. So McKenzie, you got 45 seconds to make your case. I like Brooke Lopez to go under 18 and a half points plus rebounds plus assists. All right, so be there, clear yeah. about that then. So points plus rebounds plus assists, you add it up. Is it above or below 18 and a half? Yeah, so if it's 18, I'm a winner. If it's 19, I'm a loser with my under bet here. And it's very simple. If you look at Lopez's playoff average, it's about 18. If you look at the last three games, it's about 27. Well, that's a lot more. Well, yeah, because Giannis was out or injured or questioned and he had to step up as the center. I think I expect the exact opposite in game two. I expect Giannis closer to 100% to be the center, to play more at center. And I expect Lopez, who got embarrassed often, early and often, by both Chris Paul and Devin Booker, I expect him to be benched, not play half as many minutes as he's used to. Therefore, not as mu- not enough efficiency, not enough production, not enough minutes. He's going to go under 18 and a half points, rebounds, and assists. So how, how much of an appetite... You know, betters, Jonas, they'll talk about, like, what's your appetite for this game? Because some people want to get a lot down, and maybe the bookie wants to, you know, they're lopsided the other way, yeah. so they'll ask the better if he wants more. What's your appetite here in, in dollars uh, and mean, cents? Uh, for me personally? Oh, no, no, I was asking. I, I, I'll be interested. So that's interesting. What is If you could go over under 18.5 points, rebounds, and assists for Brooke Lopez, which way would you go? 
I would go the over only because betting the under is too stressful. <laughs> like that's that's the real reason why I just I just feel like you're all, you, you're just rooting for failure the entire time, which is fun sometimes, but not when you've got money on. Yeah, it. I agree with you. If it's over under points for the entire both teams for the game, yeah. but if it's one player, if anything, that's almost like the rest of the time you can be even keel. But when he because you can't score if you don't have the ball, I, I, I guess at least with points, once he gets <laughs> the ball, you can start rooting. It, like your intensity goes up, almost like your kid is at the plate as opposed to the other kids you don't care about. And now, now re- rebounds are a part of this, right? So it's yes. points, rebounds. See, th- this is my luck. I would bet the under, and then late in the game there would be a shot. Chris Middleton would go to grab a rebound, it'd slip through his hands, and they credit it to Brooke Lopez and I'd lose that that's that's how my luck would go so Mackenzie I'm just looking at the box score from the prior game he had 17 points in the game <laughs> so uh, I mean and obviously he had uh he had five offensive rebounds holy cow and so he had six so he had 23 and one assist so he ended up having 24 was his total in in, in the most recent game and you're saying the value is on the under 18 and a half because yes, yep. the guy that doesn't make adjustments, the coach from Milwaukee, is going to make a bunch of adjustments. Okay, here's his mistake. So, what's your appetite? You, I mean, you. Listen, Stand, I'm going to be easy. On, you want to do a hundred dollars so you don't oh, have man. to have a, a, a stroke. <laughs> oh man. Yes, a hundred dollars uh, would be fine. I, and I want the money tomorrow. Okay. All right. Got it. <laughs> I got the over, and here's why. And it's real simple. There's a player I'm not sure Mackenzie's heard of. I'm not sure how to pronounce his last name. It's uh, Dario Saric. Is that how you say it, John? Dario Saric. Yeah, Dario Saric. Okay. Saric is out. Had a catastrophic knee injury. And he is the backup center, or was, I guess, for Phoenix. So Aiton, who played 38 minutes, I think you're right. When Aiton's on the court, Brooke Lopez is going to be limited. But there's going to be about, I don't know, 10 minutes or so that Aiton won't be on the court this game. And now their backup, who was serviceable, isn't there. So whoever's playing the five at that point, that's going to be called the Lopez minutes. And they're going to have him anti-mirrored or inversely mirrored, where he'll be in there with Aiton sometimes. But he certainly will be in there, Lopez, every second Aiton's on on the floor. And they're going to be going, feeding him in the post like Kareem in 74. You see it? Yeah. I do see it. You make a good point. Not that I'm backing <laughs> off. Not that I'm backing off my bet. I'll pay you. Well, you can't back you off. The bet's made. No. Yes, right. <laughs> but you make a very interesting point because my assumption that Lopez is going to play less minutes is based largely on every podcast, every writer I read, NBA analytics guru that says you got to stop playing Lopez. That doesn't necessarily mean Coach Bud, who is often at odds with these analytic gurus, is going to make the same decision. If he doesn't, if he plays 40 minutes. I'm going to be paying you 110 bucks tomorrow. Well, first off, first off, when he had the 23 points, rebounds, and assists last games, he played 22 minutes. So doesn't need that many. If he ends up playing 35, you're you're really screwed. But what I'm saying is, you you have him play 10 minutes with Aiton. He does okay, and he plays 10 minutes when Aiton's not on the floor. He probably gets those numbers anyway. So to me, it's the backup. That's the driver. Because who's going to remember that wasn't that the big problem with Phoenix? They didn't really have a, a serviceable defensive backup center, right? Who who's going to uh, Kaminsky? Yeah, that's that's what people are saying, and people are skeptical about that. He hasn't played any significant minutes in these playoffs. The, the, the but that's I, your bet. Uh, 
Go ahead. And the one thing I would say is that there is a trend here because if McKenzie bets a player prop, if he does lose, he loses by a really slim margin, which makes it that much more heartbreaking. <laughs> well, We've but, seen but, it a couple of times. But that, to be honest, that would be an upset that if I only win this bet by a little bit. <laughs> be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. It's Straight Out of Vegas here on Fox Sports Radio. I'm Jonas Knox, voice of you, the fan. He's the voice of Vegas, RJ Bell. McKenzie's best bet before the this soccer was Italy not to get to the finals. I mean, he, he's just not doing so well. <laughs> All right, let's do this. We'll take our final break. You heard about why Brooke Lopez is probably going to have a big game. But what is the over-under on Giannis? Because the betting market will tell us how much of 100% is Giannis. This number we're going to give you is going to tell you what Vegas thinks. He's RJ Bell. I'm Jonas Knox. This is the pregame show you've always wanted right here on Fox Sports Radio. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. I'm R.J. Bell. We are straight out of Vegas. And I'm Jonas Knox, voice of you, the fan. And, R.J., we've been talking a lot about Game 2 of the NBA Finals coming up later on tonight. But it was Game 1 and the viewership for Game 1 that many people are discussing, including a 10% increase from last season. If a tree falls in the forest and no one hears it, did it fall? Uh, It depends on the topic. (laughs) (laughs) And, I mean, you really think about it. There's objective numbers here, right? There, are, There's ratings. And obviously there's a political element to this, right, where basketball seems to be NBA's considered a progressive sport and the league's, you know, the way it handles certain things feels more progressive uh, in the political sense. And thus, you know, a lot of people who are on the more conservative side seem to look at the NBA as something to kind of fight against. And and then when the ratings do well, one side is happy. When they do poorly, the other side's happy. But to some degree, as just a basketball fan, you can make the point that LeBron versus, you know, the Golden State Empire uh, had marquee value above and beyond this series. And that in a way, Phoenix and Milwaukee feels almost nightmarish in well, there's not any of the pedigreed programs or, or, or franchises. Giannis is kind of a big name, but not that big. Chris Paul is a niche thing. I get it, but half, three years ago, Game 1 had double the viewership. And that means the trend line is a problem. And I'm going to ask you, you know, to what degree you think it is. and Or it's the reality of... The finals is all about the casual fan that only watches the finals, and there's got to be a reason to draw them in, and there isn't this year, and thus this makes sense. Where where do you fall on what's the cause of this? Uh, I think that there that people are finally able to get out, and I wonder if that's mm, having mm. an impact on it, to where people look at it and go, all right, I can you know stay inside and watch the finals, or I can get out and go have a good time and and go somewhere. And we weren't able to do that for so long in many parts of this country, and I wonder if that is. is but also Tuesday night after a long, yeah. long weekend, Taco Tuesday. I mean, I, I don't know. <laughs> like that's, depending on where you are, I just and and I do wonder if there's also some people who. Re- learn to live without it a little bit 
that maybe when they just shut down, you know, the NFL didn't have to adjust at all. I mean, you lost the preseason, but big deal. The NBA had to close down for months and then open back up, and I just wonder if they're still an effect of See, that. that's interesting because in some ways there's talking about pent-up demand. So, But uh, we're, we, I actually decided I'm going to do a pizza best bet on a prop, so let's get to the game. Yeah, and the game is tipping off at 9 Eastern time. It is game two of the NBA Finals, and the line has not moved since we opened the show. Phoenix still a four-and-a-half-point favorite on pregame.com. Well, I didn't give a pick, Jonas. So I, I mean, if, <laughs> if I did. But what we, what we will say is that the pick from yesterday stands and that at, we're graded at the line we had yesterday. Five-and-a-half, we like Milwaukee. Tonight's game. I still like Milwaukee, even at the current number, I mean. Uh, let's look at Milwaukee's three biggest scores. Giannis is considered to be the best scorer, highest at 26.5 points. Now, his props have been as high as 33.5, so they do think either less shots or less scoring in general, they think. Is it efficiency or is it how much he shoots? I don't know. A little downgrade. Middleton at 25.5 points. And Holiday, who tends to take a holiday now and again, it seems, 19.5 <laughs> Now, if you look at Phoenix, and this is where my pizza best bet comes in, is Booker. I like Booker under 28.5 points. 28.5 is the number. We're going under for a pizza bet. Whatever you spend on a pizza, this is what you should bet if you're betting. If you like faux gras and stuff, all right, you're betting more. But here's the thing. Why? It's real simple. As we said, Chris Paul is playing a different game the last two games close out versus LA he scored and scored a career high in the playoffs 40 plus then he had a 32 point performance in game one he hasn't scored over 30 in two straight games at any point this year in fact the entire year up to the last two games counting the playoffs he had three games 30 or more then he's had two in a row did he shoot lights out yeah, he shot well, but it was his number of shots, 19. He's putting the team on his back. Well, if Chris Paul does that, it might help Phoenix. It isn't going to help Booker scoring. So I think that every shot Chris Paul takes comes out of the Booker's effectively. And because of that, it doesn't make any sense that Chris Paul is up, and McKenzie made this point during the commercial. Chris Paul's number has gone up a point from the last game, but so has Booker's. How can both of their numbers go up? doesn't make sense. I think Paul's shots are taken away from Booker. That's where we're going to go under 28 and a half. And we're staying with our full best bet on Milwaukee. By the way, Aiton, 16 and a half is the third score. And oh, by the way, you know, back me over McKenzie, Brooke Lopez to <laughs> light him up. Thank you, Jonas. Straight out of Vegas is brought to you by AutoZone. AutoZone has more ways for you to start your job your way. That means getting what you need fast. Some jobs can't wait. That's why AutoZone offers free same-day store pickup. Free next-day delivery is available on over 100,000 parts. Visit AutoZone.com today to start your job fast. Get in the zone. AutoZone, we are back tomorrow, 6 p.m. Eastern time, 3 o'clock Pacific, right here on Fox Sports Radio and, as always, on the iHeartRadio app. Straight out of Vegas! Vegas! 